who is ready for episode five of Orange Overtime. I'm Tyler Schiff, joined with Adam Campos, and in today's episode, we recap the thrilling double overtime win that the Orange had over the Indiana Hoosiers, and last Saturday's win against the Seminoles of FSU. We'll also preview Syracuse's showdown tomorrow on Tuesday, December 7th in Madison Square Garden against Villanova for the Jimmy V Classic. Don't forget to check us out on our socials at Orange Overtime and follow us on SoundCloud and Spotify. Adam, we have so, so much to talk about. So let's start with your thoughts about Syracuse's two big wins. You know, starting off with Indiana, man, that... That was just such a fun game to be at. I mean, with the combination of the kind of game it was, being double overtime, um, with the fans being back in the stadium. I mean, towards the end of the game, the, when the crowd erupted on the fr- when uh, Indiana was on the free throw line, it, it felt surreal, honestly, to be back in an environment like that, especially with hoop and the hoop culture that they have here in Syracuse. It just felt so good. So just, just tossing that out there. And then from the actual team... It was a great win to see, honestly. All five starters again in double digits, and especially with the Bayheim brothers coming up big, 26, 27 apiece. Buddy contributed eight assists as well, so seeing him, him after him being the main coverage for Indiana, he was able to dish out some assists, get the other people involved. That's always a great sign from a player like him. Mm. And then Jimmy, again, 26. I mean, that, to see him put up those kind of numbers. And he doesn't do anything special. Mm. That's the thing about Jimmy. What's crazy. He, like you said, he's Mr. Fundamental. He just sticks to the basics, but he gets his buckets with it. So, And then, again, Jesse Edwards having a great game. It sucked that he fouled out. But what I want to mention is Frank Anselm coming in and stepping in for the overtimes. He had some crucial rebounds, had great defensive possessions, and 4-for-4 four four from the free throw line. The cl- mo- most clutch thing he possibly could have done all that game was knock down those four free throws. So overall, I really thought it was a great game for the team. Yeah, they did give up the 18-point lead and everything, but then again, Indiana shot their, themselves back into the game with the three-point and shot. You're giving that up in a zone. It's mm. not making an excuse for them. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But when you have a team that can shoot, it's going to happen. They're going to make runs. Basketball is a game of runs, and you saw that exactly in this game with both teams making runs. They made the run. Indiana made the run to come back into this game, and Syracuse made the run in the final two overtimes to be able to push out this lead to keep themselves ahead and close this game out. Yeah, uh, yeah you touched on just so many things uh, just now. And uh, one thing I want to take from all that is, uh, hey, let's zero in on how well that Jesse Edwards did. I mean, even though the Battle for Atlantis tournament for the Syracuse Orange didn't turn out as well as they expected, they finished one and two, as we've talked about in past episodes. But hey, one bright point was Jesse Edwards' evolution from his last year into this year. He's bigger, he's stronger, um, he has better touch around the rim. He's smarter to a certain degree, though. Like you said, he did foul out, um, you know, I wouldn't say too early, but, you know, the Syracuse, de- uh, Syracuse definitely needed him uh, late in the game, especially in a double overtime game against Indiana. Um, I think that Barama Sidibe should watch out. I mean, he was clearly the season, the preseason favorite to lead the Orange at the center position. But I think uh, with him out in injury and Jesse Edwards playing the way he is, I think that, you know, Brahma might have to play second fiddle to Jesse even when he comes back from injury. Yeah, just trying to come back from injury. I mean, your conditioning's not the same. You haven't been in game action or anything Mm. like that. Even practice action, and there's such a big difference from game to practice, even though you could be practicing as hard as possible and getting in shape. It's just a lot different, and 
I got I got to give it to you. Hmm. You you were riding on with Jesse this My entire season. My most improved season. player, yeah. And no, and he really he really probably has been the most improved player this year. So, oh, I'll give it up to him. I mean, he he does make some stupid fouls. Do not get me wrong. He keeps swinging down. He keeps jumping on the pump fakes. When it come once it gets into conference play and playoffs, he's gonna have to to become more disciplined. And even in, with these next few games, games discipline is gonna be huge for him, especially when he is the main center for this team. But. No, I mean, Edwards is, is really playing a hell of a game. And I know it's fast-forwarding a little bit into FSU, but he also had a really good game against FSU. So to see him play good against these tough teams, especially with the bigs that these guy, these teams have had, it's really promising from Jesse right now. For sure. Um, and yeah, you talked about Frank Anselm, his backup. Um, uh, yeah, he was just an overall force when Jesse fouled out. I mean... You call on Frank Anselm, someone who you know didn't play at all uh, last season, um, even though he was a part of the team. He didn't see the court at all, um, and now he comes in. You know, you know, Indiana has all this momentum uh, heading into this double overtime, and um, you know, you really need Frank Anselm to show up, and he did just that. Uh, he hustled. He rebounded. Uh, you know, free throw shooting is not a strong point at all whatsoever, but he knocked down four really clutch free throws. Um, and so, you know, I see, I'm seeing this trend of, you know, backup players like Frank Anselm and Samir Torrance really being reliable when called on. When their name is called on, they, they don't shy away from the light. They embrace it and they do their job. Um, and that's really, really good to see. Um, and again, you talk about, you talk about Samir. I mean, one of the things, yeah, he's not the best scorer. He's not that scoring outlet that they get. But one of the things that I just like about Samir is just his ability to control the pace of the game Hmm. and in certain points in this indiana game when they needed to slow down he was able to do that he was able to set them up and he was able to get this team into their motion and and really just he was a leader out there and that's one of the things what i like about him coming off the bench um off of joe or coming in for joe because Hmm. while joe yes he obviously is is the better scoring player I just think that when it comes to pressure situations, I'd rather see Samir in, in the game. Hmm. And there were some crucial points where Indiana started to speed up Syracuse. And when Samir came in, he was able to put the control back into Syracuse's hands. For sure. And, and we'll touch on, uh, we'll touch more on Samir and his leadership, uh, you know, in the FSU recap. Um, but, you know, you, you to talk about leadership and, and Cole Swider is a name that comes up, you know, because of his experience and, um, you know, his veteran presence on this team. You know, it's been a shaky start. Uh, we've constantly had to make excuses and hope for better play from Swider. Um, and, you know, this Indiana game, again, wasn't his greatest. Um, but, you know, he, he, he contributes on so many different aspects of the game mm-hmm. that you really can't downplay um, his involvement for the Orange. But, uh, you know, we'll, come, we'll touch on him more in the FSU game. But I think in this Indiana game... Uh, you know, his strong suits weren't especially displayed. Um, but you know, uh, again, we'll get into the, the Villanova preview later on, and that's going to be huge <laughs> for Mr. Swider. I hope he goes off. Let's yeah. just start it off that way. Back to Indiana. <laughs> like, Trace Jackson Davis, though. Yeah, I mean, with, <laughs> with with Indiana, with the Hoosiers, it's really just one guy, and that's the man in the middle, TJD. Um yeah, he was just an absolute monster. He finished with 31 points and 16 rebounds, and those are insane numbers. Those numbers are NBA numbers. Those numbers are Naismith Player of the Year numbers, and that's exactly why he was a preseason All-American. And he got hurt. 
he got he got yeah, hurt, hurt mid game. I believe there was something his wrong knee? with his left leg. I think or, it was his knee. Okay, his he knee. He messed up his knee. Yeah. Came back and he was on the ground for a minute. He was. When I, I was watching. I expected him to not return. To be honest. No, I. He needed help getting up, and next thing you know, he comes back. And that's yeah. the crazy part too. You see why he's so good, but at the same time, it almost felt like a quiet thirty-one and sixteen. Like the whole, it wasn't. What what impressed me too with this defense, I think, even though it was a high-scoring game, is that they were actually in a lot of points throughout this game. They were able to take Davis out the equation, uh, the equation, mm. and that's that's what we call. We mentioned that in episode four, talking about the fact that they had to take him out of the game. Yeah. He still had 31 and 16. <laughs> he, he's nice. He's just nice. Like that. You can't stop a player when they're that nice. Yeah. But again, it just felt quiet. He had some big time dunks and everything. But again, it just felt like he was out of the game at a lot of points. And I think I really credit the Syracuse defense for clogging that mi- middle, stepping up to him on the free throw line. And then also, too, again, what came crucial towards the end of the um at the end of the game was those traps in the short corners or forcing those bigs into the corners and making them have to throw those cross-court passes. You remember her on the right baseline when a steal for Buddy came, when Buddy got a steal when they tried making the cross-court pass. Mm. And that's what led to Buddy getting to one of those clutch buckets at the end. Yeah. I mean, so I really think that, that even though he went off for 31 and 16, there's only so much you could do with a guy like him. And I think Hughes did just enough to be able to win this game. Yeah, um, and speaking of defense, I'll get back and give you another question, Adam, about that defense in just a bit. Um, but yeah, more on Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, putting up a silent 31-16 and 16 is not something that everyone can do. Um, it requires incredible skill, especially from a big man. Um, he really can do it all. He can pass it. He can shoot the, 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 the mid-ranger. Um, he, could, he has a hook to his game um, and just a series of thunderous thunderous dunks um you know putting one on the head of cole swider putting multiple on jimmy Bayheim. um <laughs> that one he tossed that he put it, it over it, it, um jimmy it was on the out of bounds play he just it threw was. it he yeah he caught it. it and just threw it in and yeah. i'm like i was like I, I remember watching that in the game too off the out of bounds and i was like oh my yeah if you if you <laughs> ever if you ever want to silence one of the best student um, one of the best crowds. One of the best student crowds. One of the best crowds in general at the Carrier Dome. Trey Jackson Davis. A play like that is uh, is they're gonna do it. I Search t- it up on YouTube, please. I turned around and was like, oh shit, for your Excuse own entertainment. Language, but I literally turned around and walked up a few steps. I'm like, that was nasty. For your own entertainment, <laughs> search it up on YouTube. But mm-hmm. um, Adam, back to the question that I wanted to ask you. Um, Syracuse struggled with that two three, and you know you, you talked about you you talked about uh, them doing a good job of denying uh, Trace Jackson Davis the ball in the middle. You know they did that to a certain extent, but at a certain point that did fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so Jim Beheim, you know who's who's lived religiously by the two three zone for over like almost forty years of coaching, he decided to opt to, for what what he calls a one one three zone. Um, but you know what we, what normal basketball analysts would identify as a one-three-one zone. Yeah. So yeah, just talk about how that worked against Indiana, and you know, you know how that 
how how why how and why Jim Beheim preferred that over the two three, which hasn't been the strongest this year. Well, and that also too, like talk about that's on my my mistake for not bringing that up. But that also too is one reason that it kind of gave Trace Jackson Davis a little bit of trouble and why they were able to take him out of the equation. Just bringing in Buddy to to put him in the middle and leave Joe Girard on top, it, it just causes more of a disruptance in the middle right there. You got the bottom guy covering the baseline. You are giving up that baseline, so sometimes you're able to get easy dunks, easy drop-down passes for easy layups and everything. You get a backdoor once in a while. But one of the biggest things about that one three one two is that it's easier for the wings to get out to the shooters. So you're not really giving up that three-point shot as easy. While it still kind of seems, yeah, it seems like a one-one-three, and you still got the guys down low, you're obviously just moving up with the guys. You're staying, you're staying in those areas as, and also, too, it's just easier to pass guys off. The, the penetration into the middle is a little bit harder since you have that extra guy, extra two guys in the middle. Mm. So really what this did, it really, again, tossing in that 1-3-1, one, one, it tosses defenses off. Just as the 2-3 tosses, or offenses, just as the 2-3 tosses most offenses off, off for most teams, the 1-3-1 one, one does just as well. Because, yes, it is a zone but it is a lot differently ran than a 2-3, mm. which, again, trying to defeat that, it does make it difficult because you're just taking – and you're able to take away the gaps a lot easier in a 1-3-1. But then again, too, once they're able to get find proper movement, that's when sometimes you got to switch out of it. But then again, I really like the switch because it tossed off Indiana. Anytime you see a new defense like that, even if you go from a man to a 2-3, it tosses off offenses a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. And, um, you know, Jim Beheim revisited that 1-3-1, or he likes to call it the 1-1-3, later against FSU, which we will get to shortly. Um, I just want to highlight, you know, two more players that really excelled for me in that Indiana game. And that was Miller Kopp, a junior from Texas. He's a guard for Indiana. And Race Thompson, the junior from Plymouth, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, it really was a Trace Jackson Davis-centered kind of game. But both Cobb and Thompson shot the three well. They gave Indiana the energy they needed to get into that double overtime. And it, they really played a gutsy game. Um, but you know, uh, we're glad that the Orange got that win. Oh, you know, absolutely. With this being Orange overtime, you know, we'd be cheering for Syracuse, no doubt. No, I don't want them to win. And <laughs> Even though it's Orange overtime, I'm just going to rail them all season. Hope they don't win. Um, yeah, but on the, on the Syracuse side, let's finish the Indiana recap with the man who finished and iced that game, Mr. Joe Girard, who had uh, two free throws that went in, um, basically, to, yeah, you know, the ice that ice that game and give the orange mm-hmm. the win. And, you know, throughout the game, um, JG3, he played well. He shot well. Um, you know, his play looked stellar. Uh, he uh, had a few, you know, pains in the first half. Uh, he... he Threw the ball away under pressure quite a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say just two or three times, which you know at this D one level is That's you know crucial. a Big Ten ACC challenge. Like you're not gonna want your leading point guard, your starting point guard, to throw the ball that, away two it, or three times again, in the first half. That's my point about bringing in Samir. He doesn't turn. He rarely turns the ball over. From what I remember in games so far, he has rarely turned the ball over. So that's, I mean, again, going back to that point, that's why I like Samir, bringing him in in those pressure situations. Because Indiana did bring bring on some pressure for a little bit, and he did struggle. But again, he iced the game. Yeah. The most clutch point possible, he iced it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if you ever need free throws to go in, you can call on JG3, and he will deliver. And, uh, okay, so that was the Indiana game. Let's move on to FSU. It was an extremely, extremely hard-fought game. 
But, uh, you know, the Orange slugged out a win in the end. Um, barely, too. Um, but, yeah, Adam, just w- what were your thoughts on that FSU game? What did you yeah. see the Orange do right? What did you see FSU do wrong? Um, and, yeah, just overall thoughts on that competition. And I just want to bring to the point, too. People, were, people started tripping off of that Battle for Atlantis look. It is still early. Even with these two wins against Indiana and FSU, it's still early. What is this? They, they are 5-3 and three now? So they're 5-3. and three. One 1-0 like in conference play. Which is a great start. Yeah. I, I love that. The fact that they're going into ACC play 1-0 already. Mm. It's early. I said, give it about 10 games and we're going to see. So we're barely getting to that ninth game with Villanova. Uh, so people got to slow down with this team and not try to jump conclusions. Because as we saw, they thought, oh, they're screwed against FSU. Look what happened. Held them to 60 points, which typically what their defense is supposed to do. In college basketball, you, you're you typically holding teams to like 50 or 60 points in that zone. So to see them actually accomplish that, they didn't have the best shooting in night themselves, which a lot of it came from struggles. You saw Buddy Beheim; he only had six points. But the rest of the starters contributed double-digit points. And yep. to see Buddy have an off game like that, and then for all the other starters to pick that up, that's one thing I really like about this team, which I have liked it. And what I saw from the beginning is that they're gonna have a they have a lot of options on offense, and this game showed that with Buddy being off, the rest of the guys stepped up and they played well. Definitely, and. Uh... Hey, you might not be really familiar with his nickname, but the Flying Dutchman? Have you ever heard of him? I, I know who that is. It's Mr. Jesse Edwards, and he had another great, great game. Um, you know, no real holes in that in that show showing um, by Jesse Edwards against FSU. He had a double-double. Nope. I believe he had, um, he had 11 and 12, 11 points and 12 rebounds. Um, you know, five offensive rebounds, uh, for that matter. And, uh, you know, he really was a force. Um, the FSU bigs couldn't really get going under his intimidation. Uh, he laid the ball in. Um, he dunked it. He, he was able. He had good hands. He was, um, his footwork was good around the rim. You know, Just, he, had, he has the highest shooting percentage in the country. Is that right? Jesse Edwards. No, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. Jesse Edwards has the, you he has know, the highest shooting he has the highest Most improved percentage. player. We might need a, to put his name in a running for MVP. I swear to God, if I'm if I'm not wrong, I think he has the highest shooting percentage in the country, wow. like eight, like something ridiculous. Wow. Um. Well, yeah. Well, we can against FSU. He shot perfectly from the free throw line, which is great to see, and uh, he shot fifty percent from the field overall. Um. And that's that's low for him so far this season. That that's is the crazy part. Yeah, that is. So, um. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how he does against Villanova. But back to FSU. Um, you know, fouling was just another issue for him. Uh, I remember clearly the foul, you know, where he picked up his fifth um, and game-ending foul. He uh, went up to contest a layup. Um, it really, he really didn't need to, you know, swing down, really uh, harm the guy, the FSU player going for that uh, layup. It wasn't even that late in the in the second half. I think there were about four or three minutes left. Mm. Syracuse, although they weren't up by a comfortable amount, they they definitely uh, could have you know let that layup slide. Yeah. Um, but Jesse, he went straight up. Everything looked good, and then he swung that left hand down. You can't swipe down. Yeah, that's the and, thing. you know that's that's one of the earliest things you learn. I um, used to do that all the time, and I used to get grilled about it. Right, and so. then you know we had this look of disbelief on on his face but you know anyone who's watching whether they're 
you know, watching at the stadium or, or, or back at home, they're kind of like, hey, Jesse, you can't do that, no. you know? Like you said, that's a good point. It literally is one of the first things that you learn when you start playing basketball is straight up, don't come down, don't start swatting and everything, and you want to just stay straight up, stay vertical as possible. Most of the time, that's the term they use, stay vertical. But, yeah, no, I mean, it's honestly, to see Jesse play a game against as big of FSU, as big as FSU is, that's great to see him put up that kind of, that kind of game. It, it really is. It, but again, like you said, it's been a problem all season. He's just got to stop fouling. Yeah. And uh, so this win against FSU was actually the Orange's first win in Tallahassee since 2014. Um, wow. So yeah, quite and a lot. That's been, again, been seven years. Again, as I said, when it comes to situ- clutch situations, I, Syracuse just... I, th- I, I swear to God, I think Battle for Atlantis was a fluke. Yeah. I, I, that VCU game definitely. Uh, I think you know we won't get too much into that. It was too much on vacation. That's why. Yeah, they're, out there they're chilling they're, for Thanksgiving. They're enjoying for the sun. I would have been too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, back to this FSU game. Besides the highlights of Jesse Edwards, I think uh, Mr. Cole Swider had himself a game. Yes. But uh, one thing that we need to make clear is: Did Cole Swider have a good game, or did he have a clutch moment? Um, and that's something that uh, I think we should discuss now. I think I think he had a good game. Mm. Honestly, I I really do. Let let me give me a sec. Go go ahead on your on your tangent. About for sure. I want to hear what you want to say. For first. sure. So Cole ended up shooting five for fifteen from the field, but he was clutch. He hit um, the two free throws at the very end of the game. Um, I was watching the game with a bunch of buddies. Uh, when he stepped into the free throw line, a lot of them were skeptical. There were a few shouts of, no, not Cole, or ah, why didn't you sub out Swider, stuff like that. Um, but yo, you know, those were two clean swishes that he put together to really um, not necessarily ice the game, but, you know, put Syracuse up by three. Um, and they ended up winning 63-60. to 60. Mm-hmm. Um, And he, you know, he got going in the second half. He had one or two threes in the first, and then the bulk of his, his shooting came in the second half. Um, I, his, you know, his stroke looks amazing. His shooting mechanics are on point. Yeah. I just think it's just really, really unlucky that he's not seeing that ball fall. It, it's gonna, it's a con- I think right now it's a confidence thing. He's coming in. I, I really thought him coming into a new program, him being in a new environment, he was going to come off shooting lights out crazy honestly but again you never know everybody reacts excuse me everybody reacts differently he's just getting off to a slow start he shot 40 percent from the three last year at villanova so he's a shooter the man can shoot shoot or shoot give it time i mean some of the best players in in the league now in the nba they start off with some slow uh slow shooting seasons but i i honestly think Cole swider will be fine he's as long as he's seeing even just the ball go through the net on the free throws and he keeps doing what he's doing on the defensive end and and the other small stuff like rebounding, playing good defense and stuff like that. Uh, he had 16 and 10. Mm-hmm. He, that's honestly a good game. He did shoot 5 for 15, which again, that's that's not the best shooting percentage. Mm. But more and more as he starts to see that ball fall, even just on free throws, on layups, on floaters, whatever the shot may be, the more confidence he's going to gain and then the more that it's going to come out to his natural his natural part in the three-point shot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we're definitely seeing uh, an elevation in play from Cole Swider, and you know that's what you want. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been that disappointed with this play, honestly. I, I'm I really I really like Cole Swider's game. I oh, really yeah, like how he plays. Sure. I mean, you've heard me. I'm one of it. I'm one of his his bigger fans for 
for this Q's team. And mm. I, I just genuinely think as the season goes along, he more and more, he's just going to keep improving, keep improving. And so I, I really, I, I like seeing him put up this kind of game. Even though he didn't shoot the best, I like seeing him put up the 16 and 10 numbers. For sure. I 100% agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, we have Cole, we have Jesse. Both of them had really, really good games. Really helped uh, this Orange team overcome a strong FSU uh, you know, squad, exactly. but uh, I think Joe Girard um, has shown himself to not, you know, not be that point guard who just hoists threes and, and you know, plays on pure emotion. Mm-hmm. He's become more of a leader, and I remember um, especially, he, he was that he was that one offensive weapon that the Orange went to throughout the entirety of the first half. Nothing was really falling for Buddy, you know, he finished with six. Cole didn't really catch on fire until the second half. Jesse was doing his thing down low, but you know, you know, you know, threes are more than twos, and that's what Joe Girard showed. He knocked down, you know, three or four, I want to say, threes. Um, and uh, you know, after one of those knockdown threes, he went back on defense, got straight into that two-three zone, yelled at his uh, yep. one-two tandem of him and Buddy Bayham. He yelled at Buddy, "Wake up!" Everyone get back into it. And, you know, that sort of energy from JG3 is really what you want to see. And and I'm glad that he's embracing more of a leader role when shots aren't falling for his teammates. He's having, he's taking better control of the game this year. He Like you said, he's not hoisting up some BS shots. He's he's actually becoming smarter with his shot selection, mm-hmm. which I remember saying, or we, we said in the beginning of the season, that was going to be... He was going to be the X factor of this team. Mm. How he goes most of the time is how the team's going to go. And sure. so far this year, he has been reliable. When it comes to being under pressure, again, not the best. So for him to handle the pressure under this FSU defense, I think that's a great step for Joe Girard to continue playing even better this season under pressure situations, honestly. Because this FSU team, we know they they are good de- they are a good defensive team. Even though this was this was probably FSU's worst game of the season so far, or actually, no, it wasn't. But it, it wasn't a good showing from FSU at all. Mm. That team is a very that program is very disciplined on the defensive end. So I really think for Joe Girard to put this kind of game together is a real stepping stone for the rest of the season. Yeah. So you talked about FSU not having one of their great games, and I'm going to get back to that and ask you uh, a pretty big question later on. But another two things I want to I want to really talk on. Um, one, I want to harp again on your point of Joe Girard being that X Factor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to battle for Atlantis again, but he didn't play well in that tournament at all. And you know, that really showed with losses against VCU and Auburn. I think Joe had both, like in both games, he had single digit points, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really get involved on the offensive end. And you know, when he doesn't get involved offensively, he sometimes lacks discipline and concentration on the defensive end. He's one of those guys that. When he's having a good offensive night, his defense just elevates. Just as F- as VCU, again, going back to Battle for Atlantis. The one thing I like about going back to the Battle for Atlantis, this is a little bit of a tangent, mm. is that we can consistently go back to compare that to the better games. And that's one thing. We saw VCU, Auburn, they played horrible. We can go back to see what they did differently in these wins. And just as VCU, they brought more energy on defense every time after they made a run or scored. That's one thing with Joe Girard. The more he gets involved on offense and starts getting getting those shots to fall, the more the more energy that he just brings on the defensive end. And I could and I can attest for that too. Anytime you get a bucket, you, all of a sudden you're on defense and you're just you just want to lock up. You want to go back, get another, go 
back on offense, go get another bucket, and it just becomes a trend. And that's one thing I like about Joe Girard's energy is the fact that he has that ability once he starts on the offensive end to just turn it up a notch on the defensive end even higher than what it would be on offense. For sure. There's really no better feeling than seeing the ball going in the hoop and then you're back on the other side, back in your defensive stance, getting low, moving your feet, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what we want to see from Joe Girard. Um, that's one thing I want to touch on. The other thing is, again, the solid play from the backups, Samir Torrance and Frank Anselm. We didn't really see much from Benny these last two games, and, you know, that's not something I'm really, really worried about. He hasn't really gotten many minutes, and, and you know, when he does, he hasn't really had much of an offensive input. But I think uh, it's good that we're not seeing what seems like frustration from the kid. I mean, if he doesn't have a shot, he's not going to take it. If he has an open look, he'll take it. I think that, um, you know, instilled within him is a sense of discipline that's pretty hard to find in younger players that are pretty highly touted recruits. So coming into a system where he's not getting a lot of playing time compared to his whole life where he's been that guy, it's been interesting to see Benny uh, Benny's, um, you know, his, his assimilation into that role. That honestly shows maturity. Yeah. And the biggest thing, because again, when you say, when you got a five-star, they're going to come in, they're going to be expecting, you see a lot of five-stars, as soon as they don't have that same impact on on the play, on playing, they're not getting the same minutes, they're transferring to another school right exactly. away. Where exactly. Where they can go get more minutes. So, no trust in the system there, yeah. No, and like you said, you've seen Benny, he hasn't been arguing, he's been sitting there trying to soak in everything from Coach Beheim, the assistant coaches, from veterans, and... Like, same thing with Swider and um, for Benny, even though he's a freshman and Swider's a transfer, neither one of them, and Jimmy, none of them have played a 2-3 zone before. So all of this is new. And especially with Benny being a younger player, he's got time to develop. He's got time to learn. That's the thing now. The expectation is that five stars are going to be these... They're going to come out being freaking Zion or yeah, John some one-and-done, yeah. insane generational talent. Yeah, Exactly. So you can't expect – not every player is going to have that same path as a five-star. And I think Benny's going to be one of those guys that after a four-year stint here at Syracuse, assuming he does and hoping he stays here for Syracuse, he's going to, he's going to be amazing in four years. And I, you could see that starting to develop. He's had some nice plays this year on the defensive end. And that's honestly where it's going to start. And that's how he's going to be able to bring, build in more or uh, minutes to his role is when he starts being smarter on the offensive, on the defensive end, his offense is going to come. He's, Probably get, he's probably just now used to the speed of the college game. So his offense will eventually come. He's got to work on his outside shot. Doesn't have one. But he can get to the rim with ease. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> he, he knows how to get to the rim. Yeah. But defensively, he still has to learn some of the basic rotations. You saw again in this Indi- in the Indiana game and where he got where he, he stayed up and didn't go back down. Same thing. Trace Jackson Davis got a, a dunk. You saw it. You saw in the few minutes of Florida State, he was late on some of his rotations. So eventually, it's gonna come to him. He's just he's gotta learn, and that's the one thing you, as fans as well, all of us, you gotta stay patient. You can't jump the gun right away, and it's the whole thing with this team. Can't jump the gun, so don't jump the gun on, on Benny yet. He's yeah. young. And you're a junior. I'm a sophomore, so I have two more years of Benny progress. You have one. But I think one's all all he needs to really yeah. become, you know... The fact that he gets... Such a core part of the team. Yeah, yeah, he gets to learn from these guys. 
like Jimmy, like Cole, like Buddy. He's, he gets to learn from these guys his first year out. So now once these four freshmen come in next year, he's going to be able to help them out. Yeah. So And consistently after you bring him in as a five-star and the rest of those four four-star players coming in, that senior year, his senior year, they're going to be tough. Yeah. Agreed. Fully agreed. Going to um, be tough. Yeah, and and that's what always happens when we start start talking about Benny. We get excited. Um, we start you know going off on a tangent, but that's the kind of player Benny is. And hopefully he gets more of a, a bigger role down the line as he continues to improve. And he will. Yeah, I but, genuinely think he will. Yeah, and, uh, but my but my initial thoughts were on you know Saimir and, and Frank, uh, and both of them they're really just fighting for their minutes and they're playing like they are. Um, really engaged on both ends of the floor. Frank is, I am just so, so impressed with Frank Anselm's play. He hustles so hard. He tries to go for every rebound, every loose ball opportunity. He's trying to get it to his, his teammates. Um, I I think that Jim should just play him a little more, to be honest. Uh, he needs more trust in his bench. Yeah. I, I can agree. Maybe not in such tight game situations. And may, like, I don't know. He obviously comes in when Jesse fouls out. I mean, there's no other person to, to, to sub in, which is is actually um, funny. I mentioned that toward the end of the game when Jesse Edwards subbed out because of his five fouls, Jim Beheim actually went with Samir Torrance. He actually went with Samir Torrance, Joe Girard, um, Jim Beheim, uh, Jimmy Beheim, sorry, Buddy. And uh, Cole. Small ball. Yeah. So it was really interesting. Um, you know, we won't touch on it too much, but it was really, really interesting to see that tandem with Saimir and, and Joe. One offensive-minded point guard, one stable, you know, disciplined and, ball-handling point guard. Yeah, and what I like about that, too, is that because it allows Joe to go into that off-ball position, he's able to play more of his style of play. Hey, he's not, like you said, he, in, in high school, he wasn't, he wasn't a point guard. He was really a shooting guard. Even though he's ball dominant, he wasn't a point guard. He's more of a shooting guard. So by bringing in Samir to run that small ball lineup, uh, it gives it, I think it gives uh, Joe more freedom, yeah. honestly. He's able to run through that offense very well. He's able to come off of those down picks off the curl, and he's able to get he's able to get inside, or if he wants to bring it back out, come out come back out for an ISO or to call the ball screen. I think it just gives him more fluidity into his game since he's able to actually run through the motion and more with Samir being in the game and actually taking control of the rock. For sure. And, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up this FSU um, recap. You know, FSU didn't really play that well. Uh, honestly, there weren't many things that we could touch on that Seminoles did particularly well or, you know, things where they gave the Orange that much trouble. But the question I wanted to get back to is, did the Orange pull off a hard-fought win or did the Orange just, you know, suck less than the Seminoles? <laughs> um, hard-fought. I'm sorry. It's it's ACC ball. I, yeah. You can say, yeah, well, FSU didn't have their best game either. I genuinely, I honestly think that some of that has to come from good play by the Orange. You can't just all, I mean, then again against VCU, they didn't, neither team played well, but but still, it's it's ACC ball. All, it's no matter what, every game is going to be hard. No ball. easy wins. No, absolutely not. It's the best conference in college basketball. There is no question about it. So I honestly, I you got to say it's a it's a hard fought good win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with what you just said. Um, but you know, Adam, tomorrow on December 7th, the Orange play in Madison Square Garden against the number six rated team in the country. And that 
are the they're the Wildcats of Villanova, and uh, you know Jay Wright's team is just so so experienced, and they're so good on so many levels. They have Colin Gillespie at the point. They have wings of uh, of, of Brandon Slater and uh, Jermaine Samuels. They have a shooting guard and the experienced Justin Moore, and they have a sophomore powerhouse and Eric Dixon at the center position. Jeez. It's, it's going to be tough. It's by far the toughest challenge that um, Syracuse has faced so far. And uh, Villanova, who are 6-2 you know, and two, with two losses to number one ranked Purdue and number, I think, four ranked UCLA. I mean, those are understandable losses. If you're not playing you know, a top five team in the country, it seems that the Wildcats are going down. So how can the Orange you know, even put up a fight against such a, such a great team? Villanova, because of that experience that most of their teams had, they aren't one of those blue bloods that are coming in winning winning the tournaments or going making these runs with five star freshmen. Mm. This is a team that is consistently year in and year out put together and successfully making it to the tournament deep with experienced three four year players. Mm. So discipline. That's going to be one of the biggest things for this Orange team. Villanova is one of the most, even more disciplined than FSU. Villanova is one of the most disciplined programs in the country. So when it comes to Syracuse's defense this, this game around, their patience on the defensive end is going to have to be huge because Villanova has some of the best patience on the offensive end as well. They like to get in the lane, jump stop two feet, pivot around, and their guys are consistently moving. They're consistently cutting, setting off ball screens, waiting for guys to get open, and they love the driving kicks. Yeah. That is just Jay Wright's system. He loves getting inside, stopping on the dime, whether you get a shot open, give a pump fake, get the guy off the ground and make a layup or a floater, or getting the driving kick. They are consistently one of the best best offensive and most disciplined offensive teams in the country. Their, their system is beautiful. There's and, a reason Jay Wright has been successful. Yeah, and really, you know, all five of these starters, their their chemistry is, is is you know, it's it's non-compare. You can't compare it to any other team in the country because these, these kids have played with each other for mm-hmm. so many years on end. Colin Gillespie, you know, so experienced. He's won the national championship with the Wildcats before. He's been to that level. He knows what it's like to play on that national stage. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, he's a do-it-all point guard. He can shoot the three. He can yep. get in the middle. He's a big body point guard. A lot of the times you'll see him posting up his competition and the rest of the Wildcats clearing out for his mismatch. Mm-hmm. He is a 6'3 powerhouse in a way. And then pretty much you have three other shooters. Shooters in Justin Moore. Shooters in Brandon Slater and Jermaine Samuels. The 1-3-1 is going to be crucial this game. It is. It is. Brandon Slater can really do it all. He's a really, really versatile wing. He's a senior. He's been in Jay Wright's system forever. He knows what his coach wants. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's shooting well, well over 50% from the field this year. Um, Jermaine Samuels, he can guard positions 1-5. to five. Justin Moore, knockdown shooter. Eric Dixon, I just talked about him being a powerhouse at the center position. He is undersized, though. He is undersized, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Orange and Jesse Edwards can really exploit that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jesse has to stay out of foul trouble. Um, but, yeah, talk about a li- little about that 1-3-1 one, one, or the 1-1-3. One, one, Last time I mm-hmm. kind of make that, uh, uh, you know, say those two in the same sentence. But, um, yeah, just what do you want 
to see from Jim Beheim's defense? And what do you expect to see? Do you think he stays with a 2-3 or? No, and I know he's going to switch it up. He's, I think because he has seen this 1-3-1 work. I know yeah. he calls it a 1-1-3. It's a 1-3-1. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Even Devin Dorf or a famous Syracuse guy. I, it, it's a 1-3-1. Whatever he wants to call it, whatever. It works. That's the bottom line. They just, I think they're going to have if, – if Villanova gets off to a hot shooting start, I think that's one of the things they're going to have to switch to right away. And also, too, it's going to be able to clog up that middle more in order, so that way then you're able to get out to the driving kicks a little bit sooner. Because, again, that's what Villanova feasts off of is the driving kicks. And if I remember clearly, again, against the – because I watched the Villanova-UCLA game. I was back home for that, mm. which was awesome. That yeah. was fun to see. My, bro- my brother was hyped. He's a UCLA alum. So he, he was hyped throughout this entire game. And, oh, no, it was the UCLA-Gonzaga. Whatever. I saw the UCLA-Villanova game as well. Mm. Um, UCLA, again, stayed patient with them. They stayed di- – they just as Villanova was disciplined, and UCLA was disciplined. And that's just the same thing. Syracuse has pretty much almost got to play – they got to beat Villanova at their own game. Mm. If that's honestly Agreed. how I'm going to put it, they have to beat Villanova at their own game with staying disciplined and staying down – and not forcing anything up. They got to just be be solid on the offensive end, run their stuff. And then again, on defense, they just have to make sure that they get out to the driving kicks and stay down. That's yeah. the biggest emphasis that I could put on because if they start jumping at guys, start trying to, to overplay guys, and they start trying to make some gambles, then Villanova's going to tear this 2-3, 1-3-1 up. Whatever they do, they're going to tear it up. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and you talked more, you know, about the team in general, you know, that kind of aspect. I'm going to focus, you know, especially on the players. We need to see Jesse Edwards play exactly the same way, keep up his stellar play, and uh, not foul as much. Buddy Beheim needs to be, you know, be himself again. Six points is not going to be enough against a Villanova Wildcats team like this one. So Buddy, he's going to have to take control Find his mismatch, even if there is one, and basically just go get his own. Be the shooter he is. Be ha- be the confident Naismith preseason player of the year shortlister that he is, and you know really go into this game shooting lights out. Cole Swider needs to show up big against his old team. He needs to make sure that Jay Wright regrets letting <laughs> he, him go. He better be high. Yeah. Oh he, Lord. He he needs to show that he deserved more minutes throughout his Villanova career, and he needs to, to show his teammates that you know, hey, you guys miss me. You guys miss every aspect of my game, most of all my shooting, because I'm going to drop a whole lot of threes on you. Mm-hmm. Joe Girard has got to, you know, keep on being that leader. He's got to be more confident. Colin Gillespie defending him is not going to be easy for him. He doesn't do well under pressure, and Colin Gillespie loves to do that. I'm sure he knows that and will exploit that. Mm -hmm. And so Joe Girard needs to do way better with handling the ball. I trust his shooting. Um, And, hey, we're in for a great game. Yeah, it's really going to be about sticking to your strength against this Villanova team. If you start again, if you start going trying to do some crazy ass shots, start trying to force anything to go in, you're gonna be in for a long freaking night because yeah. Villanova will have the energy to go up and run run up and down the floor and get you tired. Mm. That's the thing too. While they are one of the slow, that while t- on in the half court, in the front court, they are typically one of the slower teams in terms of how fast they play, mm. but they will get out and run on you. I mean, that's just bottom line. That's any any top team in the country. They have that ability to just flip it on and off and just get the ball pushing and rolling. 
But again, you just got to stick to your strengths. If you start trying to do extra stuff, that's where the, the game's going to turn bad. And I just think that's where Villanova will have a feast day on Qs. And, that, and that's one thing that worries me is that sometimes this team will start trying to go to stuff that isn't necessarily in their strength. And that's where teams have just ate it up. So to, it, it'll be interesting, honestly, to see if Villanova may bring out a press this game. It may be interesting to see if Villanova tries to play a higher pace game because Syracuse can't handle that pressure. Mm. or as, as, At least on the defensive end. The offense, I think Villanova's going to still stick with the with running the shot clock, getting into their sets, and, and driving kick and looking for, for, the, for a better shot after a good shot. That's just what Villanova does. So again, I think more so it's going it, to... This game is going to be depicted off of what Villanova does on the defensive end to try to toss off the orange. Yeah, you make some great points there. And ESPN, you know, they think it's going to be a tough game for the Orange as well. They have Villanova at an 85% chance to win. So really, <laughs> that's, that's it's definitely not promising, that's, that's for that's sure. Um, but you know, you know exactly where we'll be. Adam and I will be watching this game for sure. Um, we'll have an episode up for you, you know, whenever this game finishes and whenever we want to preview the next game. And uh, so, you know, to wrap up this little segment up in this episode in general, what are your predictions? Do I want to be... What what hurts me is because (laughs) I'm a realistic basketball fan. It's really a question of being realistic or being that Q's fan that bleeds orange. Oh, for me, if I want to be that, just as I am with my Warriors, if I'm going to be that with the orange... Cuse is going to pull out this game. That, that's just Cuse. Cuse comes in in big situations. They love these big-time games, especially being at MSG. I'd be lit Ooh. if I was one of their players. Can you imagine getting to play at MSG? Oh, my. The Mecca. You get the Mecca of basketball. So, I mean, seriously, if I'm the Orange, I, I'm pumped for this game, and I'm looking to bring an upset, and, pro- and one of the bigger upsets so far in college basketball. So, as a, as a straight, just... Diehard Syracuse Orange fan. I got Syracuse winning this game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, personally. I think it's going to be similar into that that FSU score of in the 60s. So I, I would want to give it Syracuse 68 and Villanova 63. You know that Syracuse is going to be ranked if they win this. That... That, that is be, that is that that would this would be a huge game, and I think this is one of those things that's gonna when, when I said an episode. Four, that this next three sh- this next three games were going to be huge for playoff rankings down the, the line when it comes to the tournament. Yeah. They could pull off this win and go into ACC play with three straight wins. The ACC season is looking really good. Yeah, And I think coming down to the tournament, they're going to be able... It's going to make some noise. Like, no, no. This Syracuse team can compete. They're going to... I think it's going to really help their seeding. Yeah. With, with your you know prediction, you're being super optimistic. You're being... That, 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 you know, Syracuse fan. But, you know, I, I can't say I agree with you, Adam. And, uh, and that's the problem. Some, some of it just hurts because I'm being, I'm knowing basketball. You're being too hopeful. Like how we do. It's just so hard to really be that just like pumped up diehard fan. Yeah. I really want to be. But I'm just going let, to, let's just put it this way. I'm just going to stick with it. I'm not going to be a, a negative person on this. I'm going to be optimistic as possible. And I'm going to say Cuse is going to pull off this win. Yeah, I, 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 I think that this game is, is one that will be decided in the first half. I think if, and by that I mean if... That's a good if, point. If, if, the, uh, if the score is close going at halftime, the game's up in the air. Who really knows? 
But if the, the, the Wildcats can start and, and, you know, stretch the lead over the Orange a little, they're not – the experience of that team and, and, and the level of talent that that team possesses is not one that will cough up a 15-point lead easy. Let, let, me, let me second you on that, how you say yeah. it's determined in the first half. Mm. I think the biggest point in that game where it's going to turn is the start of the second half. Mm. If the or- Say the Orange are say, – say they are down – if they can turn it around and come out firing in the first three minutes, three or four minutes of the second half, that's where I think they're going to pull off this win. But if they come out slow in that second half, then I'm going to go back to being my realistic negative ass person and just saying like, no, they're not going to pull, they're not going to pull this out. So, so you make the point. Uh, so for for your point, people got to watch out for the first half. Yeah, that's my main point. Yeah. So for and then like I said, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, and then I'll make it the point too is that that first part of the second half. Those first three or four minutes, those are going to be the most crucial in the game too. Yeah, um, and yeah, to to kind of continue my prediction, I don't know. It's it's. I think Villanova <laughs> will win this at Madison Square Garden for the Jimmy V Classic. I'm not going to give a score prediction. I'm not going to anger any Orange fans out there, and I'm, I'm not going to you know make me less hopeful yeah, than be, I am already for this. Uh, be reasonable. Come on, like you got to give it. You got to give give your real. That's you want to hear the real truth, like you want to hear what you want to say. So what? what I mean, seriously, do you think they're gonna get popped? Eighty sixty-five. That's fifteen. Uh, see now, if I were to be my realistic basketball, just basketball fan, that that's reasonable, right? Like uh, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. But you know, I want Cubs to win. It's 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 obvious it's that we obvious, want Cubs to win. Yes. You know, yes. the campus will be absolutely electric. It will be a great way to celebrate right before finals week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking yeah. forward to Tuesday. It's going to be a great game. You're yeah. going to want to tune in. Absolutely. So we got one win, one loss for this prediction. We'll see how it ends up, up tomorrow after the game. Thank you guys for sticking around on this long and very fulfilling episode. We had a lot of great content on this one, talking about the Indiana and FSU game in recaps, and then also talking about this Villanova game. So that's all we have for you guys finally today. Be sure to check us out and follow us on our social media. For Instagram and Twitter, it's at Orange Overtime. You can find the podcast available on SoundCloud and Spotify. This is Orange Overtime. I'm Adam Campos. Tyler Shift. We'll see y'all in the next episode.